Hey everybody, how are you? Welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. You know what? We always talk on the podcast about community and being with friends and just, uh, you know, that you're kind of the average of those five people you surround yourself with. And I was actually talking with my pastor this weekend. He actually did a service on this. And I was actually thinking of the five people that are closest to me that are in my life. And are they stretching me? Are they pulling me? Are they making me better? And they are, because one of them is Lenwood Ross, who is on the uh, podcast with us today. Lenwood, man, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Man, I'm excited to have you here. So Lenwood and I have been meeting together every single week through our forum. It's through Pinnacle Forum, which has just been an amazing way to just build relationships and move forward and move into action with a lot of things that God's put on our heart. And here's the cool thing. This is why I asked uh, Lenwood to come on. We have hired Lenwood to work with our company, and he has an amazing background, an incredible story. But what you do, Lenwood, is work in this whole area of digital transformation. And really what that is, is understanding all change is happening so rapidly, so fast right now. And if we actually look at how business is done, sales is done, customer service is done, There are so many more tools and strategies and things that are coming at us fast and hard that we really, as business owners, entrepreneurs, wherever we're at in our role, we have to embrace to be able to take advantage of it. Is that fair? That's absolutely fair and uh, right on point. So a little background, right, for everybody listening, right? You were a senior, you're an attorney. Um, You worked with a big retailer for over 20 years. You worked on management and strategy. Then you got a postgraduate degree in digital business with an emphasis on digital platforms. And this was a collaboration with MIT and Columbia. And you did your undergrad at Yale, correct? That's right. My alma mater. I love that school. Alma mater. You know what? And uh, so my next door neighbor went to Duke. So if you guys come over, you guys can jack jaw at each other. (laughs) So just an incredible background. But before we kind of dive into some of this stuff, I would love for you to share a little bit about kind of your journey and, and, you know, kind of what brought you to this being your passion, because this is a kind of a very different than practicing law as a corporate attorney, what you're doing now. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, Even though in my legal roles, whether it was in law firm, private practice, or even working um, in corporate America, I actually didn't do as much legal work as I expected to do. I was always doing a lot of um, almost project management type work, um, you know, whether it was a technology initiative or some sort of corporate governance issue. It was, you know, getting all different levels of management on the same page and moving in the same direction. So in that sense, it's not different. But I think if I start with one of the key struggles that I was having as an executive and kind of tie that back to my past, I think it's helpful. When I was in corporate America, I really struggled in my relationships. Not so much with people who were senior to me, executive vice president, senior vice president, that level, but my peers... Uh, and even to some degree with people who were sort of manager level and below. And that stemmed from um, really insecurity that I had. And a lot of that insecurity I masked with intelligence. Uh, Where did that insecurity come from, Linwood? Well, 
I grew up in a household that where I was not valued because of my parents' uh, struggles and their focus. And I also had the added challenge of growing up in an environment that was all white. So I'm African American. Mm -hmm. And uh, I grew up in communities where I was often the only one or very, you know, there were very few. And my family, as a result, faced uh, racism. We had uh, death threats and those kinds of things for living in our neighborhood. And then even in school, I experienced a lot of rejection from peers. So that caused me to really focus on my schoolwork and things that I could control because I had all this stuff going on around me that I really had no control over. And in doing that, I became performance oriented. So once you start getting into this cycle of doing something to receive love and then, you know, you feel great and then you don't feel so good because you're not performing, you find something else to perform at. And that will propel you until the Lord says, okay, it's now time for me to, <laughs> it's time for me to get out of you what I have put in. So that struggle brought me to a place in life where I really was calling out to God to help me make a change. I mean, there were some steps along the way that made me believe that he would be there for me. And that's really important in terms of your Christian walk. You know, for example, I can recall very early on in my Christian journey, I was riding the commuter train and I was reading my Bible and I just stopped in the middle of reading the reading. <laughs> I just said, Lord, there is a lot of this that I just cannot believe. I just, I just, I just I can't believe it. You know, the uh, virgin birth, you know, all lots of different things. And I articulated these things. Right. And but there was stuff that I could believe. You know, Rome exists. So I can believe that stuff. <laughs> I can believe that stuff. And I just said, you know, Lord, for the things that I can believe, I will believe you on. Uh, or I will, you know, just have faith. And for that which I can't believe you, I'm just going to trust you. And that was a really, it was a bigger moment in my life than I realized. Well, yeah, because thing, I mean, having all these things, you know, going through your head and also I can't imagine Len would, you know, it's so hard for me as a, you know, with my background to relate to being ostracized or bullied or having death threats just because of the color of your skin and you're growing up in this white neighborhood and probably some of these other people were Christians. And so I'm guessing that as you're trying to reconcile all that, it was a lot more difficult than somebody from the outside can probably even imagine or relate to. Would that be fair? Oh, they, absolutely. Because what happens is you don't feel that you can be yourself and you try to be someone that they will accept. Mm, because everybody wants to be valued and have people, you know, like them and be in community. And, and so you it's, feel like hey, who I am isn't good enough to even have some of those basic things in my life that I desire, right? That's, that's absolutely right. Now you're talking about a kid that's nine or 10 or 11 years old. So, you know, I started doing things like, you know, run for student council. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I'm the jokester making everybody laugh, but I'm also not saying things and not being myself. And that just compounds over the years where you begin to become like a chameleon. Any, and I, and I also moved around a lot, but always to these predominantly white neighborhoods. You become this chameleon that just adjusts to the environment so that you can fit in. And, you know, at least for me, I was not becoming the person that God created me to be. I was, I had created all these lies and all these different things and those structures, eventually the Lord um, had to tear them down. He had to heal those broken places in order for me to be confident Mm. that he created me for a purpose, that he put these things in me. They make me unique. I have great value to add. And that's the awesomeness of the gospel and what God offers us is, and this is something that, you know, Christians have that those who do not believe, they don't have it. That we are made for a purpose. There's nobody else like us. And you know, the body of Christ, right? We're all different parts. We need all the parts and we need all the parts to be engaged. So the church really has to continue to grow and grow in who we are in Christ so that we can be the awesome body that he um, wants us to be. And when all this came together, you're talking about this time, you're on the train, you're reading some of these things, you're going, boy, yeah. some of this does not make sense. I don't I couldn't believe it. Yeah, like, okay, all these different things in the Bible. But then, but you did something, though, that I think is really powerful, and you made a choice to trust. I mean, that is true faith. What allowed you to make that choice in that moment? Well, in that particular moment, I had had an experience, and I think this is typical of the Christian experience. You trust God on something little, and he worked with us, mm-hmm. right? Just trust him on something small. And I had, prior to this experience, been out of work. I was on hard times, man. I had been partying in New York, and I had been doing drugs, and I had really been doing some bad stuff. I was in a rock bottom place. Mm-hmm. And that is when I really first turned to God. And you know, the first place you go is Job. You're going through hard times. <laughs> you don't know anything else. You go to Job. <laughs> you open up Job. And, um, you know, I started reading, I started reading the Bible and just asking God to intervene in my life. And, you know, prior to this job where this experience where I was on the train, he answered that. And I got a job after uh, being unemployed for some time. I think it was the Friday before 9-11. Oh, wow. Yeah. So 9-11, I think it was on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten a job offer the Friday before 9-11. So, you know, like after 9-11 happened, I immediately, I hadn't accepted the job offer. I immediately called and accepted the job offer because you may or may not recall, but after that, you know, there were huge layoffs, uh, you know, the economy tanked, stock market tanked. So it was a rough and tumble time, but God had come through for me there. So I knew that even in my lowest place, 
he was there. So riding on that train, I was at a place of, I don't want to say comfort, but I trusted him to be there for me, you know, in my broken state, right? Just like, you know, we read in the Bible that, you know, the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the outcasts, they were comfortable going to Jesus. So that Mm -hmm. tells you something about his character. You know, that you, no matter what your situation is, no matter where you are, he is a God willing to accept you right in that place and begin to make things better for you if you're willing to trust it. You know, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, I kind of used to envision God, and a lot of it I kind of imparted on him kind of human characteristics, right? You know, uh, mm-hmm. this, you know, performance mindset. I had to earn things. Uh, I kind of always envisioned him like if I was the prodigal son coming back, mm-hmm. not somebody rushing toward me to give a hug, but a guy standing there kind of leaning back with his arms crossed, looking down at me like, seriously, John, again, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then yeah. when I realized when I was in his presence because of that accident and felt this overwhelming, unconditional love, I realized my understanding of his nature was so off and he fixed it in a moment. And it was that, like you just said, regardless of what you've done or your background or the choices you've made, he is standing there looking in your eyes, just exuding love. And all he wants is to come over and just give you a big hug and say, man, I got you. Right. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm your friend. Mm -hmm. Right. We're going to walk through this together. Don't worry about it. You know what? We'll figure it out. And I never understood that until I think that moment for me, which was eight years ago, but that has been transformative. And then everything else that that all the blessings that have flowed from really understanding his true nature. Yeah, that is so important. And it's so, and I'm not going to say that it's universally true, but In many instances, we have, you know, the church, we're focused on the sins and focused on the sinner, Mm -hmm. but we really need to be focused on the Savior and really getting people to know who he is. And in fact, you know, I used to struggle with this, you know, what does it mean to glorify God? What does that mean? Is it like some light? Is it, you know, what am I doing that to glorify God? And I recently heard a pastor say, that, um, and he showed, you know, in the Bible, you know, he, he backed it up. He said, you glorify God when you show that you have a good opinion of him. Mm-hmm. So when we think of him, right, we think of him not as the, you know, chastising disciplinarian who is punishing us for every misstep but as the loving father who's running towards us to wrap his arms around us, you know, to give us a place of honor, to heal all our wounds, to clean us up. When we just have a good opinion of him, knowing that he is blessing us, always pouring out his favor upon us, man, you get great response when you have that as your, beginning belief system. And it takes a while to get there 
you know, as a Christian, when you're studying the Bible, because we have all these cultural notions of who God is. Mm -hmm. And before we really study the word and understand who he says he is, we come to it with those misconceptions about who he is, whether it's believing that he's punishing us when we make a mistake or something goes wrong, we think, oh, God's punishing us. That could not be further from the truth. Or that he's this distant God that's on top of a mountain. And when he speaks, the mountain rumbles. You know, we imagine Mount Sinai. We see the Ten Commandments. And, and, you know, Charlton Heston <laughs> talking to the mountain, right? So these are the, uh, and not to say that there wasn't a time and place where he was that way. But that's not how he is today, you know, under the New Testament, under the gospel. That's not where he is. So do this for me, because, you know, through this journey, this transformation, really understanding his nature and working in your faith, that has directly led you into what you're doing now, because I know you have this passion for this whole field of digital transformation. And, and I'd love for you to kind of share how you connected this faith journey into what you're doing now, buddy. Yeah, so as I was mentioning earlier, the Lord really had to heal all these broken places in mm -hmm. me so that I could come into relationship with people in an authentic way. And leadership, it's all about being authentic and having good relationships with people, whether it's your peers or the people you supervise, but really being mindful about how you're interacting with them, with everyone. And one of the keys to successful digital transformation is changing workplace culture and changing that workplace culture so that it fits in with the new strategies and the new tools that we have that, you know, you really need to use to be able to move forward. And a good way to think about it is that you can really, you know, wrap your mind around is, you know, at the sort of at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution or sort of partway through it, Henry Ford, he created the, um, <laughs> I yeah, lost my train of thought. The whole assembly line? The whole assembly line, right? He created yeah. the assembly line. He comes up with that innovation, right? And that transforms factory work. Everybody has to adopt the assembly line, or you're just not going to be able to manufacture and succeed. And so you see that assembly line process being applied all across every industry, right? And the same is true for digital. Now we have all these digital tools, we have the cloud, we have mobility. In order to succeed, you're going to have to be able to apply these things in whatever industry you're in. Because if you don't, the people who have will be able to grow so much faster and they'll be able to provide tools to their customers and their employees that you just won't be able to compete with. And so digital transformation, what does it exactly mean? So everybody out there kind of listening, because we talked about it at the beginning, this is really, I think, key to adapting to where society business, how we communicate relationships is really kind of, it's all intertwined. Right. So the cloud or the internet 
and mobility created all these new tools that we can use to connect with our partners, our customers, our employees, but it's also created some new strategies. And there are certain behaviors that you need to adopt to be able to apply those new strategies and those new tools. So that's really what digital transformation is, is all about. It's about going through that process of adopting the new tools, changing your behaviors, and moving through in a step-by-step -step way the process of digital transformation. And so that's what we focus on, helping companies to go through that process. And there is a systematic way that you want to do it. You know, you want to adopt your collaboration first. Then you want to move to digital marketing. But it's not so much, you know, one of the things that can lead you astray is thinking that you got to run after the hottest new tool. If you're not using that tool, it's not going to return, you know, what you want it to return anyway. That's where the new behaviors come in. And that's, you know, something like 80% of digital transformation initiatives fail because there's a, a new tool that's adopted and they think, oh, well, we're gonna, we've got this new tool, now things are gonna be great. But no changes occur in the workplace culture. No change occurs to the behavior. So in the instance of collaboration, for example, we provide both a tool and we provide uh, ways to monitor behavior so that you can then work on changing the behavior so the tool is used properly and you get the results that you're looking for, which is higher productivity. So what's an example of that? An example of um, higher productivity or? Yeah, like adopt, changing some of the behaviors that allow you to use some of these tools in a different way. Right. And the reason okay. I ask that is because yeah. everybody out there listening, right, our team has grown. We have four people now that are part of our company. And in addition mm -hmm. to that, we have seven coaches and facilitators that are trained that do a lot of the work with and for us. And what mm -hmm. we realized was, is, you know what, we've built this company, but we were not taking advantage of how to collaborate better, how to maximize productivity. We're a remote team. How do we use all the tools out there to get our message out there to connect with the people we want to be working with. And then right. once they want to work with us, how do we develop relationships, follow up with people, just create an incredible experience for them. And as we worked with you and your team on just a lot of these basics, we realized, oh my goodness, what this is going to do for us, I believe, is move us to a completely new level. So I'm so excited about having you as a partner in our growth, you know, working with you and your team. And that's, so that's why I wanted you to share. Yeah. We can talk about some of the examples that are, uh, and then I can relate that to some of the things that we're doing because it's, it's yeah. been really exciting. So one of the first things you want to do is look at how you set your goals and then what process you have for achieving those goals. But the way you set the goals is not to be task-oriented, for example, but to be results-oriented. And you get everyone on the same page in terms of how they're going to set their goals, how those goals relate to the corporate goals, and what are the results-oriented projects we're going to do on a weekly basis, 
quarterly basis that help us to achieve our goal target. That's one type of example. You want to focus on that and constantly review how you manage your time. I mean, like, for example, we use um, the full focus planner and that tool helps us to have better time management and be really results focus so that we achieve our goals. We don't do things that we don't need to do. We only do the things that we have to do in order to achieve your goals. Because you, you've got to move quickly um, with this digital transformation thing. So that's one key area. Another key area is in the area of meetings. Um, meetings for a lot of people, you know, I've written about it, John, just I mean, I just really could not stand meetings. <laughs> I just felt like, man, if we're having a meeting, get ready to waste some time. So when you focus on your meeting planning and making sure that you use an agenda, for example, with your meeting, and you state in your agenda, what is it that we want to achieve coming out of the meeting? You take notes during the meeting, and then after the meeting, you're set up, you know, this is what happened, these are the people who have um, next steps, things that they need to get done, and you go from there. And of course, when you first start doing that, you know, it's a big challenge, right? Because you do it first on an interpersonal level with a full focus planner, and then you're applying these things, you know, to your, I would say, your leadership team. You get your leadership team so that they are able to function with these types of behaviors. And then you, you go from there, extending it to the whole organization. Now, we do have some tools that we would say, okay, you want the whole organization to adopt right away. One of our uh, leadership principles is, uh, a growth mindset, evangelized growth mindset. So if you don't have a learning culture, you want to start getting your folks in your organization so that learning becomes part of what they do. And a tool that we use for that is in our, uh, we have a productivity pro package, which we'll be releasing later this fall. And that includes a learning module for Office 365, which is the most widely used productivity application, you know, across the globe. So in that packet, we include, you know, something to get that learning culture going in, in, in a product that people use every day. Yeah, and that transition from a fixed to a growth mindset is huge for an organization, for leaders, so many implications, just you know, across, you know, multi-generational workforces, people, all the different backgrounds. The traditional focus has been on the work to do and the task. But if we're not also developing our people and making our people better, you're not going to compete with the other organizations that are doing that. And they're just yeah. going to, even if your product, good or service is superior, those other companies, I believe, that are focusing on their people and their culture are going to leave you in the dust. Absolutely no doubt about it. In fact, digitally mature uh, companies focus on digital and their employees at a rate three times that of a less mature company. And the other thing, one of the reasons why I love this 
you know, I think 180 million people use Office, um, the Office suite. What I love about it is you don't have to learn something entirely new, right? If you've been using Microsoft Word, you understand how to use Microsoft Word, right? But what we want to do is now use Microsoft Word in a collaborative environment. And so this just provides that little incremental piece to help you get over into the new way that you need to work doing just everyday stuff that you do. Not, make, not some huge, you know, we got to come in and do a massive training and everybody's got to take this test, uh, you know, every quarter. No. As you're just doing your regular work, you're beginning to see how learning something new can help you in your day-to-day -day activities. That's why I love it. I like, awesome. it, I like it to be easy, John. I like it to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now you said something I thought that was really awesome. And I want you to share some thoughts on this here as we're kind of coming to the close. But you said that you believe and what you've seen is that as believers, as Christians, we have an advantage right now as it relates to not only digital transformation, but leadership development. And what makes you say that? Well, I've experienced it. You know, when I was lost, and even as a Christian, a really a baby Christian, you know, I had no idea how like really awful I was as a person. <laughs> I know that sounds good. That's it, but I really had no idea. I was blind. And if you're not a Christian, you don't have that loving Savior who will gently, in a way that will work for you, reveal to you what your problems are and heal you in those places that will, you know, it really transform your life. I had no idea when I began my journey, all that the Lord would have to do in me to get what he put in me out of me. Mm. I had no clue. I had no idea. No idea. And so the advantage that Christians have is that we can ask, we can ask Jesus to help us in the little thing or the big thing, or just say, you know, whatever it is, Lord, I'm handing this over to you and just walk me through it. And that make me the person that I need to be. Heal me in those places that I don't even realize I need healing mm. so that my true authentic self can come out. That is an advantage like no other. And so important because you've got to be, this new digital thing that we're going through, it puts everybody out there. You know, you're out there on um, LinkedIn. I'm out there on LinkedIn. Everybody's out there. And so you're using this new medium and you've got to be authentic because people can see through the you know, just trying to sell a product or telling you what you want to hear just to get you to buy something. People see through that. Nobody's interested in that. They want to be connected to people who are really connected and, and they can trust it. 
Yeah. You know, that's so true. And you know, what you talked about is, you know, to really, I think, to really walk into those plans that God's already prepared for us, right? Into our calling, into our purpose, live in our, live out our values and our passions. You talked about before this gap that's between kind of how you see yourself and really how God sees you, right? And we have to close that gap. And what that requires is change. So we have to change personally. We have to change our heart. We have to change how we think. We have to then change how we're interacting with others, how we're leading, which then I think that is foundational for us to then be able to help others do the same, which then, you know, I see a culture is it's like the collective habits, mindsets, and behaviors of a group of people, right? And one person, even if you're not the leader on the org chart, has the ability to significantly impact the culture of an organization or a team that you're a part of. And and you're right, it's, it's so liberating and freeing to know that you have a partner in the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, the whole Godhead with you who wants nothing more than to see you step into that version of yourself that he created. That's version of yourself. Absolutely. And nothing will be more rewarding to you in life than being that person. Whatever you think is more rewarding, whether it's things or certain types of relationships or being in an elevated position, whatever it is that you have in your mind constructed as being, you know, really valuable and rewarding to you, it will not be nearly as valuable and rewarding to you as what he has for you. Yeah. Well, Lenwood, it's been an absolute blessing getting to know you, having you as a friend, having you working with our our team. And how do people out there uh, connect with you, find out more? Where do they find you online? That's right. Um, I, I, I was supposed to mention that on the podcast. I got so carried away. That's all right, man. I'll make sure. Uh, well, we have a digital transformation leadership secrets book that's coming out. I think it's going to be in the show notes. You can also find that at www.accelery.com backslash and, and spell that, will you? Accelery. A-C-C-E-L-E-R-Y dot com. Yes, backslash ebook. And, um, you and will, all that will um, be in the show notes, everybody. And also, yes. Lenwood's doing something pretty cool. If you guys have, uh, he talked about the full focus planner that came out, uh, was a huge initiative over many years that Michael Hyatt has done. And uh, if you go to uh, Lenwood's website, accelerate.com, and sign up, just sign up for their newsletter, uh, you're going to get just some incredible, Lenwood is all about providing just crazy value. You're going to get incredible value, but people that sign up for that are also going to be trying to get a free full focus planner. So is that correct, Linwood? That's right. We're going to have, we're going to give away 10 of those free focus planners to the first 100 people that sign up. And then the first 250 people who sign up, if they choose to get our um, productivity pro package, you will get your first 30 days free. And that Productivity Pro package includes um, Office 365. So if you have it or if you want to change from your current provider, we provide it. You'll get your first 30 days free with us. 
That's awesome, brother. So, hey, just real quick as we wrap up, what is like just a final thought you'd like to leave to everybody who's been listening to this whole conversation? Oh, we've had so many good thoughts. I would say seek out your true, authentic self and be that person as you um, lead your organization or participate in your organization start to pursue that growth and digital transformation because you it's really, really so important as we move forward here in business and life. Man, that's awesome. Thank you, buddy. I just, Thank uh, you, John. I just I love really you who you are, love your heart, and uh, we need to have you kind of back on. I think it'd be great also to do, uh, you know, as we're kind of going through this whole process with you, I think it'd be really great to do one a few months down the road and just kind of talk about the before and after just with our team. That would be awesome. What a great idea. Thanks. Yeah, let's plan on doing that. All right, man. Feel better. Uh, Everybody out there, we were just praying for Len Wood's back. He he torqued it. So, uh, you know, God is (laughs) healing. So anybody else out there that needs healing, we're, we're praying for you too. So, all right, Len Wood. See you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care, John.